Om Ajnana Timrandasya Gyanandana Salakaya Shakshurun Minitamyana Tasmai Sri Gurve Namah Sri Chaitanya Manobhistam Sapitam Yena Bhuttale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Siguro Siyutta Padakamanam Sigurum Vaisnavam Scha Sirupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sabadutam Oh, sorry. I'm reading and chanting at the same time. And I forgot where I was. Um, multitasking is not my strong point. All right, let us uh, let us read here. Um, we are uh, now in chapter four and discussing emotion. And it said, there's no form of anguish with a name, no suffering, no fate, no fall, inflicted by heaven, however terrible, whose tortures human nature could not bear or might not have to bear. I think of Tantalus, born, or so they say, the son of Zeus himself, and blessed by birth and luck, as few men are. Happy Tantalus. I do not monk, mock his fall. And yet that same Tantalus now uh, writhes and trembles in terror of the rock that overhangs his head, though even as a man he set as an honored equal at the table of the gods, but could not hold his tongue, being sick with pride. Euripides, Orestes, one. So uh, we are here in uh, in Greek mythology, and uh, we're looking at uh, at at Tantalus, and Tantalus is uh, is a person who was punished. He also misbehaved. Uh, Tantalus was a direct son of Zeus, and uh, Tantalus, he became, uh, well, he misbehaved with the gods. He was invited to, to sit with them, to dine with them, but he would uh, steal the nectar, the amrit, the nectar of immortality, and then bring it down to earth to show off to his worldly friends. He stole one a golden dog from, uh, from Zeus. In this way, he began to arrest them. Then one day to test, uh, to test the, uh, 
the gods, it says he he uh, he killed and cooked his own son, which he then served uh, as a meal. The uh, the gods they could immediately uh, see what uh, what this was, but uh, but one of them who was absent-minded uh, took a bite. Yes. So then he was. Then the gods revived the sun, and Tantalus was was punished, and he had to uh, stand. He would in hell with water uh, like in, in clear water uh, but each time he was reaching down to drink the water would recede and disappear in the earth above him there was a tree with branches of fruits but he could not although it was very close in he could never take the fruits because they would go away from his hand and there was a uh, a rock also hanging over his head that could fall any moment and, and crush him so all these things caused him great suffering and anxiety and the real thing is that it is stated that this uh, this punishment was eternal so, yes, this brings up the question of uh, eternal hell. Uh, and that's like uh, something that we find there is a concept of, of eternal hell in, in the Greek tradition. I'm, uh, I fully for, of course, we know from, uh, from, uh, Christianity and uh, we also find it in the Quran uh, it is said several verses in the Quran mentions the eternal nature of hell or both heaven and hell Quran 7.23 the damned will linger in hell for ages two verses in the Quran emphasize that consignment to hell is horrible and eternal But include the caveat, except as God or your Lord wills it. Okay, so the, the Quran said for ages, that's not eternal. And then it said, yes, eternal, but it said as God wills it. So there is a way out. Uh, uh, the uh, Judaic tradition apparently is not uh, adhering to a concept of eternal hell. I have a note on that. Uh, let me just see that here it is. And it says, uh, there's a book by Duncan Sherbock, The Jewish Doctrine of Hell. And uh, let me just uh, turn it. And there it is stated. Uh, more recently, uh, Rabbi Abba Hillel Silver writes that eternal punishment for the wicked finds no official acceptance 
in uh, in Judaism. Hmm. Uh, so, and then like uh, there's some are writing uh, H. Woke in This Is My God writes that the idea of hell in Judaism is a parable. We do not know where it is or what it's like or what precisely the parable implies. Uh, so anyway, something about uh, Jewish concept of hell, but certainly according to these sources, not eternal. Um, in the Vedic context, hell is, actually, is also not eternal. And hell is actually a relatively short time. Um, existence in hell is shorter than existence in our present uh, condition. And whereas heavenly planets, their existence is much longer than our current human existence. But although the Halley's experience is, is short, it may be experienced as a very long time. Um, some people say that they don't believe in any concept of, uh, of hell at all. And that, of course, is also there. But uh, then we might, uh, we might say that, yes, but we also have hell on Earth. So we already have a direct experience. Some people are already in hell on our planet, right under our nose. Right? So in this way, uh, yeah, we cannot deny that there is uh, places where apparently suffering is, uh, is just having the, uh, yeah, is, is the predominant experience that people have. Okay. Anyway, uh, the, um, the concept of, 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 of punishment, um, uh, it, is, it, it creates a, the image of a God filled with anger and wrath and who is punishing. And uh, it's, it's very difficult to accept such a God. We're looking at at a loving God, we're looking at a very merciful and kind God. That is true. Um, we are. So when we're looking at Krishna, um, we're looking at, uh, at a merciful God. But we're looking at Krishna who is distancing himself from those who turn away from him to allow them to be turned away from him. Then in the cause of that, these living entities get themselves entangled in material consciousness, which is driven by an exploitive, selfish nature. And the result is they get involved with lust, greed, anger, madness, illusion, and envy. As these qualities of lust, greed, anger, madness, illusion, and envy begin to possess the, uh, uh, the living being, 
more and more, he becomes uh, more and more hard-hearted and less and less concerned with the suffering of others. Then there is an automatic mechanism of action and reaction referred to as, as karma. And this automatic mechanism that corrects him, uh, it corrects him. Uh, so if, if he is causing suffering, then ultimately he will experience suffering. Uh, but one who is, uh, is trying to, uh, to help others and to lift others up is also, uh, also getting uh, positive rewards and rewards of enjoyment. So there is then good karma, bad karma, and uh, then in the, uh, in the Vedic uh, concept, the, uh, there are many, many lives. So the karma spreads out over many, many lives. So currently we have a combination of good and bad karma for many, many lives. And so uh, in this life, we may try to engage in positive activity, but we may still have to suffer some reactions of previous negative activity. <laughs> previous bad karma. Yes, so that is, uh, that's there. Well, uh, but there's no question uh, of, of eternal, uh, eternal suffering. In some cases, um, when uh, persons commit uh, offenses to, to the devotees of the Lord, to the Lord himself, then the reactions are, are greater than in the case of sinful activities. And then uh, sometimes if there are heinous offenses, then a person may suffer for a very, very long time. Um, uh, Aswatthama, he killed the sleeping sons of Draupadi and uh, has to suffer uh, for that reaction for an entire kalpa, right? But then at the end, uh, or at the end of the cycle of, uh, of four yugas, at the end of Kali Yuga, he will be absolved and he will uh, actually become instrumental in bringing about the change towards Satya Yuga. So, in other words, then he's totally absolved from any reaction to whatever heinous activity he performed. He'll be completely purified. And currently, he is performing austerities for the sake of becoming purified. Yes. Anyway, so, uh, there are sometimes... Uh, serious reactions mentioned in Vedic scriptures in the Bhagavatam. Uh, Daksha is also a case. He offends Lord Shiva, and then Lord Shiva 
exchange, cuts his head and put the head of a goat, of the sacrificial goat, on his body. And he has to also stay like this for an entire kalpa. But then he also, uh, Daksha, who is, is, is actually not a personality from Earth, but he's a Pajapati, he's from the higher regions of the universe, he's a mental son of Lord Brahma. And he will then also be reinstated. Um, ultimately, the uh, so some feel that uh, hell being a physical location uh, doesn't make sense, but as I said, we see physical locations right here on Earth. Hmm. Anyway, but it is certainly. Uh, certainly it is simply for the good, uh, for, for the good of the living being, uh, what to do. If we totally misbehave, then, uh, then we, uh, once we get uh, an experience of suffering, uh, then we become, uh, again, motivated to, uh, to go, towards getting out of this world, uh, which is ultimately what life is about. Uh, this material world is not a place to stay. It is not a place to enjoy. It is a place where we are rectified, are being rectified. And of course, in the higher regions of the universe, there is better enjoyment than what we have here. But still, even that better enjoyment is not, it still leaves one frustrated. So it is not enough. Hmm. Yes, anyway, so, so that was a little bit on that. So there, uh, what other topics we can uh, come up with. Uh, Let's just hold on. I'm just getting there in a moment. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. All right, uh, let's take another topic. Uh, something that appears to be quite mundane uh, and see where that goes. I haven't looked at it. Uh, the topic is, is money. Okay. There are two sorts of wealth getting. One is a part of household management. The other is retail trade. The former necessary and honorable while that which consists in exchange is justly censured for its unnatural and a mode by which men gain from one another the most hated sort and wealth. Uh, the reason is uh, is that which makes a gain out of money itself and not from the natural object of it. For money was intended to be used in exchange, 
but not to increase at interest of all modes of getting wealth. This is most unnatural. Okay. So, talking about economy. And we're talking, and this is Aristotle speaking from uh, politics. So, yes, we can create all kinds of economic models. And uh, currently, uh, oh, Currently, economists are concerned that the uh, that the global economy in the world is is now becoming uh, affected uh, due to uh, price wars and so on, and uh, and uh, and slapping all kinds of duties on imports and uh, well, and uh, of course. Trump is supposed to be the person who is dismantling the global economy. Um, yes, okay, the global economy may have brought wealth, but at what expense? Right? Also at the expense of, uh, of ruining the planet. So ultimately, we are not in favor of the global economy model. We want local economy and we want uh, local sustainability, uh, indeed, uh, better, better that uh, we are growing our own food and living of, uh, living of that because, uh, because uh, that will give us a way of life which is more in harmony with with nature you know? and that is the point because we see nature as divine behind nature we see the supreme personality of godhead and we see that uh, mankind should not unnecessarily try to adjust the uh, material conditions you know? wherever it's required too cold, some heating, uh, and so on. Uh, so wherever it is required, maybe man has to make some adjustments, but not for the sake of trying to transform this, this world into, into paradise. Because even if seemingly, seemingly we are very successful, uh, on the other hand, we see that we are not. On the one hand, it is true that uh, we can uh, avoid certain hardships with technology. But on the other hand, we also create so many new hardships. Uh, pollu pollution and the effects of pollution in the world. And, uh, and all the, uh, the side effects that we cannot oversee. I mean, there is uh, you know, a fighter jet flying over. Uh, they're regularly practicing in this area. And uh, it's like very intense. Uh, it's at the pilot 
due to the speed, his stomach will be pushed in uh, and it becomes hollow uh, due to the effect of the, of the speed. So whatever, uh, even in a normal jetliner, uh, already we feel how our blood circulation may become uh, affected and so on. Uh, so we're looking at a more natural way of life. Yes. So therefore, uh, Aristotle is prefers a more natural economy that deals with, uh, okay, taking, uh, he calls it household management. Uh, but when we are like uh, just uh, getting more and more in, in living off and making money from money by uh, interest, lending and all these things, we're getting into uh, a complicated uh, way of, of living. Right? One has a duty to make money, but only by honorable means. It is also one's duty to save money and increase it by diligence and thrift. Cicero, the Ophidist, 1124. Mm. All right. So yes, in this world, um, it is arranged that we need to eat, we need to live, we need to survive. And then, uh, okay, then there's a money system by which we exchange goods. Uh, and uh, rather than them bartering, Okay, the next one. Are you ignorant of what value money has? What use it can afford? Bread, herbs, a bottle of wine may be purchased, to which necessaries add such others as being withheld. Human nature would be uneasy with itself. What to watch half dead with terror night and day to dread, profligate thieves, fire and your slaves, lest they should run away and plunder you? Is this delightful? I should always wish to be very poor in possessions, uh, held upon these terms, Horace, Satyrus. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's all exploitation for the sake of money. Um, so that doesn't make sense. We need a life of morality and then support it with a uh, with with a, with an economy that meets our needs. Uh, uh, there's an interesting uh, video clip on uh, from uh, Charles Eisenstein, who. Uh, who writes uh, about sacred-economy. You can find it like that on the internet. And uh, on his site, there's a 12-minute video. And in the video, he shows uh, the, an economy that is based on goodwill. He shows an economy based on giving. 
So if there's any surplus, we just give it away and that creates goodwill. And out of goodwill, people will want to give something in return instead of like the economy where everything is monetized and where we're charging for anything and we're lending and debt increases. Uh, all that, uh, the modern economy, he puts an alternative uh, against it, which is the, uh, uh, the giving economy. Well, that giving economy is, is relating more to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, where we are just giving prasadam freely. Uh, we're feeding anybody freely to their heart's content as much as they can eat without any charge. <sighs> All based on create on generosity and goodwill. Um, so generosity and goodwill are basic principles of life that um, should be there in all spheres of life. Uh, all right, let's look at uh, freedom. Uh, we're looking at freedom in society. As the title of this section indicates, this subject treated is not freedom in general, nor liberty in all its diverse forms, but the individual's freedom of action within the social group and in relation to other individuals. This freedom is variously described in the quotations assembled. A freedom from Ciceron, impendent or duress. Freedom to do as one pleases or wishes. The liberty to live or act as one chooses or the liberty to act according to one's own rules or directions, not those of another. Hmm. Okay, let's see. Every man should be responsible to others, nor should anyone be allowed to do just as he pleases, for where absolute freedom is allowed, there's nothing to restrain the evil which is inherent in every man. Okay, Aristotle, Aristotle politics, 131839. Yeah, of course, you know, uh, man can rise above this through a spiritual process. When man turns to God and he becomes, uh, then he can rise above the in, inherent. Uh, inherent uh, evil which is there in man. Hi Krishna. By liberty is understood the absence of external impediments, which impediments may oft take away part of man's power to do what he would but cannot hinder him from using the power left him according to as his judgment and reason shall dictate him. Hmm. The absence of external impediments, yes, that is... That is liberty, says Hobbes. Okay, yes. Mm. 
And then, uh, yes, there are so many impediments which may take away part of man's power to do what he would. Uh, so that is true. We can become limited by, in power, by, uh, yeah, by impediments. But that cannot hinder him from using the power left him according as his judgment and reason shall dictate him. So one can remain moral and one, and one is free to, to choose in this regard. That will be there. Uh -huh. I did but prompt the aged to quit their clogs by the known rule of ancient liberty. When, when straight a barbarous noise environs me of owls and cuckoos, apes, apes and dogs. And when those hinds that were transformed to frogs. Um, well, so the soul by nature uh, is meant to be free, but at the same time chooses to be bound by love. Any other type anything else that binds us is tyranny and oppression. And only when we are bound by love are we happily submitting to, to being bound and limited. And that doesn't interfere with our freedom. Uh, in this way, when we develop love for God, it doesn't interfere our freedom. And yet, we're ready to accept so many restrictions because we want to please him. If we want to please another, we are restricted by what pleases the other. So that we, uh, that we do, uh, that we do, uh, voluntarily, giving up that freedom out of love. And, and we happily do so uh, because the other person is worth it. And especially, so the devotees are worth it, and the Vaishnavas are worth it, and, and the Supreme Lord is worth it. And, and in this way, we find our freedom. Uh, freedom while being bound in love. It's very interesting. Okay, let me see what other topic we will address. Justice and injustice. Justice is traditionally clarified as one of the four cardinal virtues, along with temperance, fortitude, and prudence. And it is usually distinguished from the others as being the virtue by where man is disposed to act right or righteously in relation to other men or the community in which he lives. A man of goodwill to others, a man who habitually avoids injuring others, 
and renders to others what is their due is said to be a just man. Justice in this sense as a moral quality and an aspect of moral character is discussed in chapter 9 on ethics, section 9-7 on right and wrong, as well as here. The reader is advised to read that section in conjunction with this one for a comprehensive view of justice as an attribute of the morally good man and as a property of conduct that is rightful or righteous. The reader should also examine relevant passages in section 10 on virtue and vice. Hmm. The treatment of injustice and wrongdoings is, of course, to be found in the same context. Yes, justice and injustice is, is coming up in, in community um, and living in community. And our, our yardstick, right, is the, uh, of justice and injustice, is the, uh, is the benefit of the community. Um, uh, whatever we contribute to the, to the community should benefit the community. And ultimately, um, there may be short-term benefit, uh, which is apparent benefit, which may exist for a little while and then not. Uh, we bring the community a whole lot of money. Oh, we seem to benefit them. But it, it may not be the case. You know, after some time, it may cause great trouble. But if we bring the community uh, eternal things, then we really benefit them because then we give them something that stays. Therefore, we say that to give someone transcendental knowledge, divya gyan, is the greatest welfare work because it lasts. Nothing else lasts. Therefore, other welfare work is, is, is not of uh, great interest or great importance uh, because it doesn't last. So whatever is durable, that is what we require. Mm. So we can see that a theme that begins to repeat itself in, in my lectures is prayas, immediate enjoyment, versus sreyas. And in entering into some sort of dialogue, not a debate, not a, a scholarly uh, attempt to fully understand great philosophers, but simply taking isolated statements and uh, responding them from a totally different perspective. And in order to, uh, in this dialogue, right, reveal more about the contrast between uh, two, two, uh, two different outlooks and to create particularly a, uh, an understanding of what Krishna consciousness really is. Hmm. Yeah, so Krishna consciousness is always met measuring by the yardstick of Krishna. And so whatever is favorable for Krishna, that is favorable. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
I'll, uh, I'll leave it at this for today and uh, try again tomorrow to share some more points with you. Hare Krishna. Okay, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, I thank you all for, uh, for joining us uh, for this session. And uh, let us just reflect how to live our material life um, properly by measuring it, how beneficial is whatever we do for Krishna. Because only what we do in relation to Krishna will give eternal benefit to ourselves and others. <laughs>